being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. That's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Knighton. Touchdown, Chargers! That's the greatest throw I've ever seen. Dad Gummit! Thunder Down Under Chargers Football Podcast. A fine welcome to you all, wherever you are, however you may be listening. Andy here, joined by Jack and Alistair. Hello, boys. Hey, mate. Howdy. How are we doing today? This week? Mm, yeah, well... I have been better. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, if you can't be with us through the bad times, don't be with us at all, right? Thanks for joining me, you both. Helping me remedy what I watched on Monday afternoon. I did go a bit silent on the socials, just trying to digest everything and, uh, yeah, cope with it all. Um, Wouldn't have anything to do with the weekend we had, would it, mate? Oh, that was just a lot of love and a lot of fun. All clean, uh, clean stuff. Um, <laughs> oh, golly. Today, we'll get through the Jags review. Uh, we've got a new a new game just to break it up, just to get a bit of a light into the show this week after the, the, the football weekend that we've had as Chargers fans. And then we will preview the seemingly anticipated Texans matchup in week four in Houston to round the show out. So, on Sunday, Jacksonville Jaguars 38, Los Angeles Chargers 10. It was a glorious afternoon in South California. Beams of sunlight glistening through the glass ceiling, just right for Sunday afternoon football. And that's where the buck stops. It was a 0-0 scoreline at the first break off the back of two consecutive three and outs by the Chargers offense. The signs were ominous. Bosa left the game through injury. And James Robinson was starting to find some rhythm out of the Jags' backfield. Sunshine was turning to clouds, dark and stormy. A dropped catch by Sonny Michelle on the Chargers' third drive, leading to a pick in the Jags' red zone, followed by an uncharacteristic Justin Herbert fumble, saw the defense back on the field with another short field situation. Chargers suffering 10 points from uh, drives off back-to-back turnovers, putting the score out at 13-0. Some light did return to the Chargers. A 75-yard Herbert-led drive capped off a textbook twisty catch by Mike Williams in the end zone. Jacksonville answered back but had to settle for a field goal after Derwin James gave Trevor Lawrence a whack short of the goal line. 54-yard bomb to Jalen Guyton looked to be the spark the bolts, the bolts needed, but stunted play calling hampered the momentum of a drive that fizzled out in the red zone resulting in a field goal. From there, it was all Jacksonville. Robinson was at it again, a devastating 50-yard TD run on 4th and 1 on the Jags' reply drive, then a 60-yard TD drive capped off with a Christian Kirk touchdown. Penalties on the offensive line continued to derail any hope the Chargers had of clawing back the 21-point deficit by the start of the 4th quarter, and OC Press Taylor for the Jags continued to work the Bolts' defense ragged behind Robinson and Etienne. If the result wasn't out of the question by this point, Etienne's effort in the run and pass game were special in setting up Trevor Lawrence's third passing touchdown for the day. That rip snorted to Martin Jones Jr. in the back of the end zone. Oddly, it seemed the charges went even harder from here, keeping Herbert on the field and unfortunately seeing the end to Jalen Guyton's season in the dying stages of the game. These Jags look like they're on the way to being a dangerous team and have vastly improved on the laughingstock they've been. Chargers now fall to one and two, and it's a little bit more than just we had a bad day. Oh, golly. Jack, what what is your first lasting thought from the game? Uh, <laughs> just chuckling inanely to himself. Yeah, yeah. just just <laughs> chuckling inanely. Uh, you know what? Let's I just gotta get this off my chest first. What I'm gonna read is I'm gonna read about 20 dot points and I'm gonna slowly go through them, and this is how my mind went throughout the game. First quarter, come on, Austin. First first bit of undiscipline. Man, Robinson's first run. Mike Williams had had amazing coverage on him. Bow up run defense, F word. 
Sorry, Lombardi. Play call. 5.40, first quarter is F-word, S-word, power it. Kenneth Murray getting abused. <laughs> Bosa, oh no, oh no, oh F-word. Penalties, all capital. <laughs> F me, F me, fumble pick, all capitalized. Effing picket, DJ, capitalized. This is effing disgraceful, capitalized. Why are we relying on Carter and Everett? Shocking, shocking first half. Staley has been our coached first half. McKitty effing sucks. <laughs> S-word. Slater, <laughs> injury, S-word. Um, and then I stopped taking notes. So mm. there we go. It's probably out. for the best. Yeah, probably for the best. Uh, Alistair, uh, um, well, let's go on to you. Yeah, okay. It was, it was uh, just a confluence of the worst possible events, right? Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. From catastrophic injury to coaches being outclassed to players failing to execute in key moments. So where do we take the discussion? I might start with the coaching. On the offensive side of the ball, on the rewatch, it's just clear that defensive coordinators are working out this Lombardi mechanism. They're, on most passing concepts, you've got kind of two short routes being curls of some description. You've got a running back out into the flat. You've got some kind of a deep post or over, often run by Williams. And defenders are just sitting on anything deep because they're not fearful of the speed on our offense. And they're just challenging us to take those shots. And then Lombardi comes in and Herbert playing for the first time with fractured cartilage, getting used to his body. They're thinking, get the ball out of his hands quickly, dumping, dump the ball off. And they were just sitting there ready for it. And they were ready to stop the run. The sad thing is there did not seem to be a plan B when that began, begun to happen. It was, it was more of the same. For our running backs, their average depth of tar target was what we discussed earlier, right? Eckler's average depth of target in the passing game, minus 1.9 yards. Kelly's minus six. So you're throwing to them behind the line of scrimmage. That's on the offense. On the defense, we decided we're going to try and light Trevor Lawrence up. We blitzed him on 42.5% of downs. But guess what? We only got in and a half of them. And we only got pressure on 17 and a half of them because they were ready for it. And they knew, right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get the ball out immediately to our running backs. And it just happened over and over again. Etienne or Robinson weren't covered adequately by Tranquil or sometimes Derwin or sometimes Murray. And to Trevor Lawrence's credit, he made good decisions and made just enough beautiful throws in there. He's almost Mahomesian. When he gets out of the pocket, he's really deadly because he's got a great arm. And yeah, I mean, they just dominated us on both sides of the ball. And again, if we're looking at trends, this team's ability to adjust in second halves is problematic. Last year, it felt like once teams work us out, we don't respond too well in second halves. And it's also reflected generally by the fact we're getting outscored secondly, um, heavily in second halves. So there's a lot of soul searching to be done. Um, Andy, what do you think? Yeah, <clears throat> coaching uh, and play calling personnel was a big one for me. Uh, why was Sony Michelle the receiving back? Like the league knows he's not a good receiving back, really. Josh Kelly's been great thus far in the um, in the preseason and the lead up. I'd much rather have him in there, uh, but we we don't seem to make changes. Um, like you said, his average uh, depth of target was minus six, and he got absolutely smoked on one. But he, you know, he keeps keeps working hard and. He's actually hanging on to the ball. Too much nickel base. Uh, we got smashed on the field, like you said, uh, with only two linebackers on the field and no Bosa in both run defense and coverage. Um, they just weren't, yeah, getting out, weren't getting close to getting a tackle near the line of scrimmage, really. Hmm. Um, and look, I mean, we've got to we've got to talk about the injuries as well. Um, the guys that weren't on the field because of them. Uh, and then what we were going into the game with uh, and what we sustained during the game. Um, like I said, at the top, um, Joey Bosa went down. Rashawn Slater tore a bicep. He's out for the season. Jalen Guyton with two minutes to go in the game. Just crazy. It looked awful live. And then when I watched it four more times, it looked even worse. Um, not as inconspicuous as... Or an innocuous, rather, as Shelling Step Step uh, Shepherds, mm. um, but 
they're, they're big losses. Um, Can I yeah. use that for an entry point for a question? Because I think it ties in nicely to the coaching thing. I've, I love Staley. Staley's my dad. I, I love him. This is one of the only times where I've thought objectively this is really bad coaching to have Herbert in the game with four minutes left down 28 points. And whether it's Staley or Lombardi, chucking the ball deep to Guyton when you're down four scores, in my opinion, just run the ball and get the hell out of there. What's happened now is Herbert actually got hit a couple of times when he was passing the ball late and Guyton's done his ACL catching a meaningless 40-yard pass attempt. Throw to you, Jack. Wrong decision for Staley to have those people in the field in that situation. Is it a clear-cut one for you? Uh, not when Guyton is a clear wide receiver five. If it's Mike Williams, then I probably have an issue with it. Guyton is wide receiver five. As much as people like to think that he's a wide receiver four, DeAndre Carter's taken wide receiver four off of him. If it's Joshua Palmer down there and he does his knee, yeah, I'm questioning that. In terms of the Herbert decision, listen, I think now that we've all spoken and got a little bit of our venting out, which is quite cathartic, I, I do sort of want to let's, – let's try and bring this up a little bit here because – Throughout the week, we've been benefited. We've been benefited with the time between seeing the game on Monday, our time. Uh, you know, we're three days removed from that now, so you know we've had a lot of media. You know, Staley was looking very rattled in press conferences. Herbert was very guarded at the end of the game. Uh, our reporters were really going hard at them. I just finished watching Staley's most recent press conference. He's he's got he's got composure back. He's there. So to to actually sort of, I think, start to uh, to be too negative on the coaching, I don't think is fair. This is Staley's probably first big, big, big test. People are saying he's lost the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. I disagree, as you're right. Staley's my dad too. The way that he leads the team, the way that he speaks is fantastic. Quick segue, Jack, left, if, you, if, if just, it's all right. I was going to say, oh. should, he have, should he have left Justin Herbert on the field? Listen, he makes that pass. We get a touchdown. All of a sudden, the score is 17 to 38. doesn't look too mm -hmm. bad. We lose a wide receiver. Justin Herbert gets hit. Hey, I don't know. I think as a young quarterback, he's establishing himself as a leader, and I think it's good that he wants to go out there and play. And at the end of the day, you can't help a grown man if that's what he wants to do. Or can you? Is it your role as the coach to say, hey, look, this is a situation where I take command. I know you want to go in, but it's for the long-term good. Uh, yes, you can, but we didn't, and I don't think it's had any negative effect on Justin Herbert. Okay. Sorry to have interrupted you. There was, there was a tweet from an ex-Chargers scout, and he said, going to get real interesting inside the Chargers building this week. Had already heard about some rumblings regarding teams' leadership and players not having buy-in with the staff's messaging. Losing like this won't help. Now, he's no longer with the team, but he was a, a scout with Telesco recently. And that tweet has generated a lot of discussion. What stock you put in it, I don't know. Too much is being read into... Nothing. Nothing. Sebastian Joseph Day calling a players-only meeting after the game and then the players st storming out and not doing their usual media availability. I don't see anything wrong with that. That's a player-led discussion. That's fantastic. I think it's accountability. What's what happened on the field? Yes, the coaching's not helping, but from a defensive point of view, if I want to take a positive out of the game, man, that defense kept us in it. For that, for, for that first two quarter and a half, that defense was playing lights out. SJD as well, he probably had his best game for us. Asante Samuel Jr. Sure. playing very well. Uh, Derwin James playing very well. Yeah, our linebackers were getting a little bit abused in coverage and things like that. But man, that defense did everything it could to keep us in the game. If that's last year, I think the offense keeps us in the game. We still lose. Mm. And this is where the coaching, I see this is where the divergence of coaches go in. And we're not going to heap crap on Lombardi because a lot of other podcasts and people are doing that. But it's clear that Staley has his fingers all over the defense. He's got an offseason acquiring free agents and drafting for it. It's clear they've improved and they're going to be, a, I hope, a top 10 defense. Something's going on or the the offense have, hasn't improved alongside of it. It feels like we're still back in week 18 versus Raiders. What do you think about that, Andy? Look, uh, I... That's why I'm to answer this. I think that lost me a bit. Um, that's all right. Al? Repeat the question, Jack. So I was just going, do you see that there's a divergence in coaching here? Is that... Staley's got his fingers all over the defense. That's improved. He's clearly left the offense go for Lombardi. 
yeah. um, because he's an experienced play caller, and that's why that's with that's where we're seeing the the disconnect. I think that's exactly what's happening. I, I think uh, you know Lombardi calls plays over the headset, and Staley's listening to it all. But I think I think Staley probably empowers Lombardi basically to control the scheme and the and the plan how he wants to, and then Staley's focusing on the defense. Will that continue? That's the big question. Now that we're seeing, look, something is not working here. Will we see a change in approach? We'll get more into that as we discuss the Texans and how they should um, approach that game. But look, I've got a, I've got a question, Andy. Do you, do you think we owe an apology for the comments that we made during our opponent series about the Jags and their off-season moves? Because I tell you what, some of those players are up there with the most exciting young players I've ever seen. They were getting me excited and they were belting us. Oh, there was a lot of chat. Pardon for my absolute brain fade just before I forgot to ha- how to listen and answer a question, Jack. Uh, That's all right, mate. No worries. We, yeah, there was a lot of chat about how much money they spent, but it looks like money well spent. Um, uh, Foyer Luicon, um, guys on the interior, defensive line, Christian Kirk was great. Zay Jones spread the field nicely for them early. Um, and got good yardage on second and third downs. We do Devin Lloyd and Trayvon oh. Walker are freaks. They're both absolute freaks. You can do anything with them. You can play them off ball linebacker. You can. When Walker had a few pass rush snaps, looking at the length of his arms and just pushing yeah, nasty the right. Time. And Josh Allen on the other side is an animal as well. Yeah. That, uh, Devin Lloyd almost had a couple of picks. There was oh. one drive where um, Herbert was just. Mucking him up, really. He was really off. And Devin Luke got very close to a second one. Very exciting. Yeah, and look, you know, it's it's good fun uh, to see them, to, to see it actually work out for them because it was a, a horror show last year. And uh, it's good for Doug Peterson. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. Good to see him back in the league and doing well. And dare I say it, it's good to see Trevor Lawrence blossoming. Um, and Mike McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> God, that made me ill. His damn visor. God, That's a great job, it. Trevor. That's well, a great job. Well, I've, I've got to put my hand over my heart or maybe, you know, have a pie smashed in my face. I don't know what it is. I made fun of Jacksonville fans standing in piss um, <laughs> and it looks like I've pissed my pants and sitting in it right now uh, because of that score was uh, was very embarrassing. Um, to, to just divert back to the this Lombardi questioning, Alistair, um, mm. do you think that Herbert actually covers up some fatal flaws in Lombardi's scheme? Ooh, that's interesting. The only things he'd be covering up are the ones where he makes something happen just by his incredible athleticism outside of the pocket. And a lot of good coaches benefit from QBs making off-script plays. That's not how the play's called. That's not what they're meant to be running. But, oh, wait, Herbert has jumped up and then thrown 50 yards down the field to Guyton. And Lombardi goes, okay, good, 50-yard completion. <laughs> yes. I, I want to say that Herbert actually needs to share in some of the blame from Lombardi with Lombardi because on the rewatch, Herbert does have a bit of an aversion to turning the ball over. He's very safe with the football. If he can take a check down, he will from my perception. And I've seen a few plays this weekend where it looked like had he waited a little longer for the play to develop, there were players coming uncovered down the field. Now, whether that's to do with his ribs and him wanting to dump, dunk it off or something more, you know, I- intrinsic to him, I'm not 100% sure, but I suspect it's more the latter because it is something I have noticed with Herbert. He doesn't like putting the ball in harm's way, just throwing it up he will err on the side of going short if he has to not to turn it over. Not that it's or, just an observation. Or absolutely thunder the ball into the receiver's hands. Mm. He does have a tendency when he's perhaps throwing the more riskier pass, he decides, all right, I'm going to throw it in a place where really only the wide receiver can get it and I'm just going to throw the absolute hell out of it. Yeah. That pick to Sonny Michelle, he threw that hard, man. That was very, very hard. And uh, and is that you got to catch that though? You got to catch mm. that. Agreed, agreed. Um, but but you're right, Alistair. I saw. I didn't think Herbert looked particularly uh, nervous in the pocket. I, I didn't think he didn't have feet. Um, he didn't have happy feet. His technique was still pretty sound. 
Uh, it was just perhaps it's just that mental um, that mental game, and that, I, I find it bizarre that he kept going. Oh, what I do with my body is is entirely up to me, and, and I'm not going to say anything. There's mm. there's some whether we might not see it in the physical aspect of the game, but there's some things going on upstairs. I think um, with him there, so he still had a pretty incredible game. Um, that throw to Guyton was just ridiculous, and, and the fact that he's he played was was great. Yeah. Um, yeah. He'll get better Look, too. Yeah, he's he's probably fed up of being you know forced to answer the questions the same way every time, and then people questioning his you know his own own integrity. He's exactly. going uh, okay. No one scripted me an answer for this. This is from the heart, but back off. Look, there obviously was a natural level of apprehension. He hadn't really had that kind of test. He didn't have that many reps at practice during the week. So he wasn't quite sure. Then he copped a hit, and once he sort of got through that, he seemed seemed a bit better, but we just weren't getting any separation and weren't uh, – I don't think we were in, in remotely invested in the run game at all. Um, I thought a few things didn't work, and then we just didn't really look to change it up, didn't really no. look to get Josh Kelly in there that much. I keep going no. on about that, but we've got – Well, he should have been in the game, Andy. I, I was very yeah. annoyed where the second drive on offense, Michelle's lining up in the backfield, got a few touches. It's that same thing with Fahoko. Why aren't we rewarding the player who's earned the reps? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then lo and behold, there's an interception involving that player. Like, I, there's plenty of blame to be shared for that play, but I didn't think Michelle should have been on the field at that stage mm. of the game. It was very early. Give Kelly a run. That's can we talk? Of, can we talk offensive well, line for a just, bit? Well, just just before, just before I do, I just want to ask you, Alistair. Um, oh, yeah. Is it time we saw Isaiah Speller suit up? Yeah, I think there, for yeah, it is. Is this not a good a good opportunity against the Texans to to blood him against? You know, they've got Jerry Hughes, but not that that flash. Uh, I don't think. I think it would be a great opportunity, and I think because of this loss, I'd be in favour of getting active a couple of the rookies. JT Woods for Aloe Gilman. Give it a go. Yeah, great call. What a liability. Uh, Isaiah Spiller for Sony Michelle. I know that sounds harsh. Just say, Sony, we're giving you a rest. We, we want to give a game to Spiller. We're going to rotate our backfield week to week. You, you know, you're a veteran player. Have the week off. Listening to Staley today doesn't sound like that's the plan because when he was asked about Spiller, he started talking about Kelly and that it's about special teams ability so Michelle right. is the, in their mind. Michelle's an RB two. He's a power back, and I'd like to see what's behind door number two at this point for a couple of positions. Yeah, I, I guess that's a good segue then to talk about the offensive line because he ca- Staley came out today and talked about Jamari Salia starting at left tackle, um, which a lot of people are excited about, and I think all of us three included. Uh, but I guess the decimation, you know, of Slater tearing a bicep tendon out for the year. See you later. Uh, you know, that that really rocked me, being an offensive lineman. When I saw that injury happen, I've almost immediately gone the way that he's carrying the arm. Um, it didn't look like a shoulder. It looked like the, yeah, the unfortunate bicep tear. Uh, really weird, didn't it? It was like yeah, doing looked- as well. They were almost, be- like when you force something and you slip because yeah. of all the isometric contraction and it stretches, that's how it just goes ping. And it was like Bosa's groin when his legs came out from underneath yep. him when he swung yep. around on the edge there. Rashawn Slater's left arm slipped when he was um, blocking and then just, yeah, nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah. Nasty stuff. And I think, you know, Alistair, you made some, you watching, were watching the All-22 tape. Um, yeah. what, were your, what was your take on the offensive line? You had some interesting takeaways. Yeah, I thought early... They were relatively okay. I mean, they look, they gave up something like 20 pressures over the course of the game. One sack. It's not like they couldn't operate at all. It's not like plays were getting beaten straight away until Slater went out of the game. Once Slater went out of the game, completely different story. Norton gave up something like eight pressures in half in a half of football. Five minutes. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> what I was noticing is there's something about Will Clapp. I can't put my finger on it, but he's personally not responsible for like pressures. It's not his man getting the pressure or the sack, but he's always facing away from where the free rusher comes or he's giving help 
to a guard who doesn't need it. And when you look at it, how both of our guards played and Filer really struggled, Zion less so, but a couple of times he did. Mm-hmm. You just wonder, is that happening when Corey Lindsley, if Corey Lindsley's in the lineup, do you think it would be happening? Well, I, I think I made the observation that uh, when you sent through a couple of those videos, that it seems that Will Clapp is getting the ball off fine. Um, he's probably not making as many pre-snap reads as Lindsley's saying. It doesn't look like there's a lot of control in terms of voice as well. It doesn't seem like he's pointing out and letting, he doesn't know where the protection's coming from. And I guess for him, as an offensive lineman, you just want to make sure that you're getting hands on someone. And uh, the videos um, that you shared, Alistair, and then I had a look myself, is you're right. He's not personally responsible, but he's not really doing much to help when he is helping. um, And he's spinning his head side to side going, what's going on? I don't think those pressures, especially up the middle, is that the one where you showed the double A gap blitz, the the, the stunt or the cross? Yeah, the cross And he's just got... He's just got no idea. I mean, Eckler and the running backs do a f- pretty good job or did a pretty good job on that one. Um, Lindsley's just so important. And the left side of that line is going to be so important. And if Lindsley um, doesn't play against the Texans, it's going to be a fascinating, fascinating kind of Ooh, yeah. experiment with Solier at left tackle. Um, but Johnson, I thought, was still very good. You know, yeah. For a third game, I thought he was still very good. Not a great start for our new O-line coach, right? Frank Smith left to go be the OC for Miami. You've got the new guy, Brendan Nugent. Through three weeks, you know, the gradings are right down the bottom of the league. Let's hope that that wasn't a bad hire. It's still early, small sample size, but not a great start. And Miami having a very good year on the offensive line too. And they were 32nd last year. Suddenly they look capable. Have we let a star leave the building? Time will tell. Also, no Xander Horvath to be seen, really, which again... Yeah, not much. Not Lombardi. Much. I know he's your boy. What can Lombardi be doing, Prof, to just use Xander a bit more? Oh, just a little bit more, um, I think, versatility. They, they, there's a lot of chat uh, surrounding Joe Lombardi's playbook resembling the likes of a cheesecake factory menu. <laughs> but all I'm seeing available is one type of cheese and one type of cake, and they ain't that good! It's very vanilla. He's not utilising personnel well. Uh, Get Trey McKitty off the field. And I just feel like you can can really use uh, Xander Horvath um, in the passing game more. We've used him well in the red zone, which is a bit odd. But, you know, when the likes of Donald Parham come back into the the fold, God, he's been a big miss as well as Mm -hmm. Keenan. There's hope of potentially both of those guys playing. Yep. Uh, this, They're this all training game. individually. So, Could get all yeah. of those back. Lindsley cool. Keenan, JC Jackson, Donald Parham. Jeez, a lot of, lot of good names. I'll take two of them. Specifically, what can he do? I just think he's just broadened his horizons a little bit, Coach Joe, uh, to get Horvath back into the game a little bit more. Mm. Why is it that we have Everett and DeAndre Carter leading our receptions. What's what's the go? Our opposition team's bracketing and doubling Mike Williams. Is Keenan Allen that much of a loss that we cannot get the ball to Mike Williams and we have to go and yeah. but I'm also thinking is are the, is Carter and Everett are they are they Herbert's first or second reads or are they the third or fourth read? I I struggled to see that. Alistair, what do you think? I I'm finding it quite perplexing. I'm not I don't mind it. I mean because there's yardage there. No, but when you've got players. Yeah, but when you've got a guy you've just paid, you know, almost, you know, $16, $20 million a year and he's sort of into the game, out of the game, into the game, out of the game, what's going on? Well, in this game, on the rewatch, the Jags just bracketed Williams the entire game. They sat Darius Williams off him and then on the inside was either Andre Sisko or Rayshon Jenkins. They were saying, we are not letting this guy beat us deep. We're not going to give him one-on-one opportunities. A couple of times when he almost had them, Herbert just didn't go there because Herbert will look... And if nothing's open and no one's being schemed open, that's something we haven't talked about. You just see the first two and a half seconds, you look, who's the open guy? No one. No one at all. Maybe because they're a bit slow. But so Herbert is straight away going ball out of his hand to running back. Bang, tackled. So Mike Williams is a big man. It takes him four seconds to get down the field, right? And he's been bracketed. There's no Keenan to help him out. That's what the result is. What? What do you see is, I mean, Keenan will come back, but losing losing a speed guy and we've, we've brought in Jason Moore, Al, what do you see as being, 
what what do we need for the from the wide receiver group to develop some rhythm and consistency for this passing game? I think we'll find that Keenan's return does make a large difference. We might go back to what it was like week one and two, where he's still putting 20 to 24 points up and then looking for big playability from Mike Williams. We weren't using Guyton very much before he did his ACL, right? Not at all. So it's you know a handful of snaps per game. Jason Moore might do something similar this week where he's on the field five to seven snaps for the game. I think it's just a, a... deficit we have of speed and it we went into the season deliberately making that choice we didn't address it we thought it's more important to address the defense and the offensive line and we thought we could win with what we have and it just shows we're a little bit one we're a bit limited in what we can do we're a bit one-dimensional because we don't have a speed element although you can always try to sign someone off the street like we did mm. with john hightower I think just one of my last points, uh, and this is more of a rhetorical question that is a question, but there was a, Austin Eckler was very vocal in the preseason about the other running backs in the room taking his mantle and come on guys, challenge me. I'm going to say this to Austin Eckler, times, the time is now for you to challenge yourself, buddy. What's going on? There's something, I don't know whether it's scheme or whether it's your body or what's going on. We need to we need to see some production from you, um, because yeah, it's been quite disappointing so far. So come on, Austin, you've got it in yourself. You can do it. Come on, let's let's get to one of those games. We get four touchdowns, hundred twenty yards, baby. Come on, come on, man. I know, come on. I know. Well, this is the week, right? It's it's you're going to add something to that, Andy. I was just going to say when you rely on using him more during the drive leading up to the red zone, you're not going to see as much out of him. But we don't have the guys, or we don't have the ability to to get the plays to get chunk yardage down the field, keep Eckler fresh. Um, I still thought he, he fought really hard. Uh, like I, I thought the whole team fought really hard. We ultimately couldn't adjust to what we had to, and we uh, couldn't adjust to the changes in the game from Jacksonville and what was working and what wasn't working. We just wouldn't change what, how we went about it. And um, the Jags... Spent 38 and a half, 38 minutes and 27 seconds on Not the field. Our ass. <laughs> we got absolutely gassed on defense mm. and offensive penalties. Storm Norton. It was a whirlwind. Whirlwind of good fun. Speaking well, of good fun, unless there's anything else on the game, we want to dwell anymore. We want to... Let's have a laugh. You want to laugh? Yeah, let's have a laugh. I think we need one. God sakes, just give me the damn number! All right. Numbers are everywhere, aren't they? You use them to measure stuff. We judge each other using numbers. Some people can smell them. Some people can taste them (laughs) if you suffer from synesthesia. Synesthesia, yeah. In this segment, we're going to go around the horn talking some numbers, any numbers that have stood out to us from the NFL, and we're going to give you the damn numbers. I will start us off. My number to start us off is 10, and 10 is the number of fights I almost got into on Bolts from the Blue after the game. I apologize for anyone who was the like target of my furor. I find my default position is to get extremely loyal and defensive about it, particularly Brandon Staley, and some people just the kind of off-the-cuff fire Staley. He's hopeless. He doesn't know what he's doing. Really got in my gullet. So I decided to fight back. And apologies, nothing personal, and hopefully we can move on after a win this weekend. On to you, Andy. Nice. My first number is six. The number of times Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, smashed the (laughs) desk and everything in reach after the offense failed to get the playoff to spike the ball as time expired. Props to the magic hand that appears to cover the camera well after all the carnage has taken place. That was uh, after a pretty cruddy... Fair, uh, charges related weekend of footy that that was uh, a, a nice bright light jack uh andy this one's for you from uh a person that you've laid a bit of shade onto on the podcast and this is uh this number is 178 and that number refers to the amount of players who caught more touchdowns than kenny golliday in 2021 <laughs> Jesus. uh Colliday's numbers were 37 receptions 521 receiving yards and zero touchdowns uh, among that 178 players, uh, seven were offensive linemen, with six actually playing on the line, including 
Giants left tackle Andrew Thomas. So Kenny Golladay, I believe uh, you packed up your locker and you're going somewhere else. Uh, good luck to you, sir. And let's hope that you can catch more touchdowns than you did last season. Alistair. Number 11 links to the Chargers again, and that's the total number of explosive plays by the Chargers through three weeks of the NFL season. An explosive play being defined as 10 yards on the ground or 20 yards through the air. 11 is low. It's 32nd in the league. Almost a fireable offense with some of the weapons we have. Need to improve from number 11. Good point. Well made, Alley boy. 95. The total number of points scored thus far this year by the Detroit Lions, sitting in second place in the league behind Baltimore on 99. Astounding to think in three weeks these cellar dwellers, would-be cellar dwellers, would have five TDs on the ground and seven out of the hand of Jared Goff. Dan Campbell is the Lions guy! <laughs> uh, they're playing all right. Don't mind looking at them. Uh, my number is, I'm going back to the Windy City. I have a love affair for Justin Fields. But this number is 4,000. And funnily enough, the Chicago Bears have never had a 4,000-yard passer, which is incredible when you think Outrageous. of the modern-day NFL. That really st- st- uh, stuck out to me. So not even like Jim McMahon, Grossman, um, Jay Cutler. They never had a 4,000-year season. So... Uh, Justin Fields, I hope that you can crack that 4,000-yard mark. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but maybe next year. Here's a bizarre one. 26, the total number of points scored in a contest between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on the weekend. Who would have thought it? 26. Yeah. Amazing. So that's that's a really good point. Uh, Number one, the number one. Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, this could be a two, but I don't want to give that idiot Orlovsky any airtime. Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) became the first NFL quarterback to have a pick six saved by giving up a safety as he stepped out the back of the end zone unawareedly. Bradley Chubb uh, ran the ball back uh, from the flat, but yeah, Hanson Jimmy had already stepped out of the back of the end zone. 49ers lost that game by one point, and last time I checked, safety was worth two. Whoops! Uh, I'm going to go over to the frozen tundra in Green Bay with this number of 1,000. And that number is impressive because that is the season ticket wait list in Green Bay. You have to wait 1,000 years to get a season ticket. That is how long the list is. So it's a really, really nice gift for your great, 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 great grandchild. That's worse than the MCC for our Melbourne listeners. Will there even be a world, like a a planet Earth, in a thousand years? It's a good call. Not if Vladimir's got anything to do with it. All right, number 24. The number of audio messages Jack sent us during the Jags game. For the listeners, it was incredible. Venting of the spleen in the highest order, 24. Keep them coming, Jack. We love it. Yeah, I think you. I think some of those notes that you'd written at the start of the game were like dictaphoned, like typed out from those audio messages. You just <laughs> yes. typed yes. them out and gone f word, f word, expletive, sh- shit. All right. <laughs> uh, the number thirty nine, uh, unverified but approximate amount of times "I love you, man" was uttered by yours truly on Saturday night for the celebration of our great mate and keen Thunderdown under listener, big fan of the show. Nick Searle's Bucks party. Yeah. Congratulations, Nico, to you and your wife-to-be, the lovely Sarah. I love you, man. Make it 40. And happy birthday to Searle's today oh, as well. Just and as well. Happy birthday, too. Uh, going back with what you said, Alistair, about my uh, uh, my mic'd up, this number's 48 because I went back and counted all the expletives that I uttered, and it was 48, <laughs> possibly even more. Uh, and for those of you uh, who have been listening for a while, we love our different segments or new and interesting segments. There may be a mic'd up session coming sometime soon, uh, but I'll be sure to make sure. Just got to work out how to keep it relatively clean. Yeah, it's got to be right. a good. It's got to be a good good day. Otherwise, I might not have a job uh, the next morning. So there we go. All right, my second last one, and it's a big fat donut. The number zero which is how many more times I ever want to see Storm Norton take an NFL football field in season 2022. Zilch. Yeah, my second one and my first of two Chargers-related ones. 24, 
The total number of rushing yards for the Chargers against the Jags. This is my second last one. Uh, And this is 9%. And that 9% is PFF's prediction for Austin Eckler to go over 100 yards against the Texans. 9%. Wow, we're in trouble. Last one. And mine is 14-12-22. And that is, listeners, I've booked flights for the 14th of December 2022 to come to the United States with my then-wife on our honeymoon be traveling to the West Coast, going to go to the Chargers-Rams game on New Year's Day. Really excited about it. So I dropped some comments on things we should do. Going to be in California and then go up to Portland and Seattle. Can't wait to be there. And of course, tailgate is a must. So if you're going to go to that game on New Year's Day, I'll be there with the jello shots, with my big head, and we can talk about the team we love the most. <laughs> yeah, big Fantastic. Head. Great stuff. Uh, number four. Mid round out the next group of desperately winnable games for the Chargers, starting with this one that we are about to preview against the Houston Texans before the hill starts to get pretty steep heading toward January. Last one for me, and that's the number one, uh, Andy. Uh, this is the number of times you've had to leave the podcast early because of severe diarrhea. So let's not let's. Ding 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 ding. Got him. Yes. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen again. Yeah, that was when we <laughs> was that when we went real fast and loose and yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was, was yes. All right, all right, moving right along. That was uh, just give me the damn numbers. Good fun. Week four, we got the Texans coming out of the last game. As we mentioned, a few injuries. Obviously, Keenan Allen, Corey Lindsley, Donald Parham, Jason Jackson. They didn't play. Joey Bosa's groin, four to six weeks. Hopefully, he's been placed on IR which is now four games minimum instead of six. Rashawn Slater, torn biceps, season. Jalen Guyton, ACL, season. So as a result of the three blokes on IR, onto our 53-man roster come Derek Tusker, uh, outside linebacker from claimed off waivers from the Steelers and the Titans. I think he was drafted by Denver. Richard Rogers uh, is back on again. And an interesting point, Al, you made earlier that this is the third time that he has been brought off the practice squad onto the official roster. And it is the last time he's allowed to have that happen. He can't go back on the practice squad. So he either stays or once he's cut, he is gone. And Jason Moore, the wide receiver, up from the practice squad onto the 53. Uh, within the 53, uh, it's announced, confirmed today, Jamari Salia, sixth round rookie, to be our new left tackle. Woo woo! Come on, come on, woo! Come on, come on, Jamari. S- Storm Norton back in the shed to be the swing tackle, and you'd imagine Brandon Jaimes uh, into that swing guard position that Salia was. Uh, one signing onto the practice squad, John Hightower from the Eagles, four forty three forty. He's got a little bit of speed, some drop issues. He'll be on the practice squad, and we still have one remaining practice squad position. So. <laughs> Um. Yeah, there we go. Uh, from a press conference standpoint, uh, I don't think I've ever seen Staley quite on the ropes um, as he was, and I think for a good reason. I actually kind of like that he got grilled about the, you know, if you're saying that the best thing, uh, like the main focus is what's best for the team and for the future of the team, but you're not overpowering an injured court, star court, young quarterback. This is going to keep affecting him, so... Where are you sort of muddying up? And <clears throat> I won't say Staley's my daddy, but I'm a big fan and I'm glad that they, they went at him about it and they challenged him. Um, he had to sort of go off script a bit and his eyes were going, was, he, did, he, got, he got rattled a bit. It was like you uh, when Jack answered that question earlier. It was just that, like... Ask that question. White noise. <clears throat> <laughs> yep. Yeah, getting too much into my other work. Uh, Drew, Tran- Drew Tranquil spoke pretty earnestly. I thought he summated the, the defense downfalls, the defensive downfalls quite well. Um, minimal pressure. We couldn't get to, to Lawrence. Uh, we couldn't turn the ball over. Couldn't get off the field. Um, and SJD leaving the post-game chat. And you mentioned that earlier, Jack, and I think that's a really, that's a really strong and powerful thing. You take responsibility mm. for your actions on the field. Um, and he's a leader of the team and he led from the front and it was, that was really good, good to see. 
And we almost didn't go in into enough, Andy. SJD played great. Oh, yeah, I was just about to say. He played great, man. He had like six tackles in the backfield. First two weeks, I was very concerned about the signing. Great to see that level of effort. Keep it up. Yeah. Yep, completely agree with you. So, uh, actually, absolutely had the podium. He had a better day than Staley or any of the coaches did, I think. Um, So, look, improve, maintain your standards. So, we move on to the Texans. Um, they last they they now sit at zero two and one on the season, coming off a close loss to the Bears, twenty three to twenty. A game probably where Houston's defense did everything it could to keep Davis Mills in the offensive float, but no real luck. They just couldn't get the ball far enough down the field or just do anything in the red zone. Jalen Petrie was awesome to see. He had an absolute breakout day, two interceptions and a sack. His first career tallies in both defensive columns. And if, look, if given a bit of time, uh, sorry, if if not given time, Davis is prone to awful, awful decisions. Um, that said, he, he does, did look okay in parts. He does look to his tight end group um, and can move the ball down the field. But he just, yeah, like I said, can't didn't seem to convert in the in the red zone. Still seeing a bit of pass rush out of Jerry Hughes. Oh, yeah. Um, and Lovey Smith is... Up to his old tricks. That was a pretty hmm. awesome, uh, pretty awesome fake punt to keep that drive alive. Uh, what do you see moving into the Chargers Texans contest, Jack? Hmm. What do you think the Texans' main strengths are and potential issues that the Chargers might face in this matchup? Yeah, I think. Well, you touched on it. Um, Petrie had a had a great game, uh, and I know Alistair, you watched the the game. I watched it on the on a forty, but I also watched Lovey Smith's press conference, and it was just interesting to see what kind of questions that the Texans media were asking him. And it seems to me that they they do like rushing the passer, um, but they do love uh, blitzing. I think Petrie got his last sack that was on a blitz as well, and they were blitzing throughout the game uh, quite consistently. Um, so I, I definitely think that there's they're going to be doing some interesting things pre-snap, which makes Lindsley being back all the more important, I think. Um, and I mean, you know, even though he put the ball on the ground twice, I think, but Damian Pierce had his biggest workload for the uh, for the year so far with 20 carries. Um, he accumulated, I think, 66 of his total 80 rushing yards were after contact. So he's hard to take down, very much like yeah. your Robinson ETN type. So those are those were really two key areas that I think that um, we should really be looking at is you know containing Damian Pierce and trying to actually get a fumble which we half decent at sometimes and um, really looking at that that defense pre snap um, and if Will claps in there heaven help us let's cross our hearts and and go mm-hmm. from there Alistair what about you yeah to add to flavor to that defense they they at the moment they're pressuring the quarterback the ninth most in the league. And they've had 10 sacks, which is fifth in the league. So they're doing something right up front. There'll be a challenge there. I was super impressed with their offensive line's pass protection against the Bears. They allowed five pressures for the entire game. Now, historically, I have not seen that offensive line be particularly good. But Laramie Tunsil on the left is an absolute rock. And on the inside, rookie Kenyon Green looked fantastic. Right side, a bit less sure, but overall, they gave Davis Mills every opportunity to succeed. So, you know, we're not applying the most pressure in the world at the moment. We're strugg- we struggled against the Jags. They had their way with our pass rushes. There's no Joey Boza this week. Little concerned about that matchup because their offensive line looks really good. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. That was a massive point for me was <clears throat> Laramie Tunsil in, in particular. And like we said, an issue with the... Um, the Jags game is the recognition of a young quarterback to pick up that we do run nickel, so we've got less linebackers. Um, you've got Rex Burkhead who tore us apart last year as a, a, a huge as a huge dual threat um, out of the backfield as well. So that's that's a big um, a big thing to to come up uh, and coaching for me as well. Um, like I said, I think Lovey Smith still got a couple of tricks up his sleeve, um, and for mine, Staley and Lombardi do have. I'm going to throw a, a challenge flag. Okay. Oh, challenge flag, please. Challenge flag. Flag on the play. This is a new little uh, aspect of our show. We have, <laughs> if we disagree, you can challenge, and then Jack, you become the referee and third man arbiter. 
I think Lovey Smith is a dud. I think his coaching game management is not very good, especially on fourth downs. He's one of these guys who will punt on fourth and one from the opposing 35 rather than attempt a 52-yard field goal. Because he's such a defensive guy and he coached the Bears in the early 2000s with Erlacher and Briggs, he will never go for it on fourth down. In fact, in week one against the Colts in overtime, he chose to punt it to the Colts on a fourth and two at their 40 instead of trying to win the game because he didn't want to lose it. And, you know, people were up in arms. So I think he's going to give our team some opportunities through mismanagement of game scenarios. Are you going to allow the challenge or are you going to uh, re- reject it? <clears throat> Uphold the call on the field or is the booth going to overturn? You also need to have an idea of like, what Lovey Smith's been about. So hmm. don't just let him swill you with his words, do his lawyer thing on you. Tough, tough. Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a tough one to adjudicate. I will say that... You have to be sh- absolutely sure to overrule the... the well, if, if, if I look at... If, if we sort of move on to that this next part when we analyse the, the, the opposition is when we look at the weaknesses. I think there's... They've, he, Lovey Smith has been very poor... Uh, and consistently poor on the play that they're calling uh, on short third and downs. Quite poor to, to, to the point where um, they almost don't look like they're doing. So I am going to uh, – uh, the flag has been thrown and the um, – unfortunately, it's a per- it's holding on the offense, Andy, uh, minus 10 yards. And uh, I apologize for that. All right. <laughs> for how you, for how you deli- But for how you delivered that, you sounded worse than Ed Hockley's dad. That's true. Uh, 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 Sean Hockley. Uh, <laughs> but I think um, another another weak Play another on. weakness another weakness that um, I identified was their tackling. They are one of the worst in the league at the moment. Um, and Lovey Smith got hounded by reporters, or maybe not hounded, but asked quite poignantly the fact: that is their you know is their technique right when they're is he teaching the right technique? Not only trying to tackle, but to strip the ball. Uh, he was very defensive about that uh, in both ways, pun intended, Lovey Smith. So um, hopefully Eckler can get in there, bumble along. Hopefully big Mike Williams and big Gerald Everett can take a few catches and shrug off tacklers into the end zone. Well, tied to that point, Jack, their rush defense last week allowed Crap. 281 <laughs> yards on 40 attempts. So seven yards per carry. They let Khalil Herbert have 157 yards, two yeah, touchdowns, and he looked good doing it. So... Yep. The rush defense is porous, and we need that every little bit we can get at the minute. No, oh, seriously. Seriously. So do we want to move Al on to Texans' weaknesses? What are they no good at? I mean, yeah, what are they What are they really no good at further than the, the run defense? The, no exactly. good. And, and yeah. third down and third down efficiency as well. Yeah. I thought that they, they were 3 of 12 on the weekend. So, yeah, they can, they can improve on offense generally. But you know what? Nothing's After what just happened to us, unfortunately – Nothing feels safe anymore. Nothing feels warm. This is a team that has clear deficiencies, obvious deficiencies. Can we exploit it? I hope. I certainly hope. Hope so. Yeah, Jack. What are you? Any further thoughts from you, mate? Before we no, move on to same, some game game plan stuff. Yeah, same thing. I think um, it's the tackling, the rush defense. If this is a game for Eckler to take my challenge from 20 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago, this is the game to do it. And Lombardi, can we scheme some different kind of runs as well? Can we start looking at some exotic looks? Um, yeah, let's just pound, pound, pound. Then give Herbert some time to unleash unleash the big cannon. Just commit to it. Rotate the backs. I completely agree with you, Jack. Just commit to it. Rotate the backs. And um, stay away from Mokoronko. He's looking pretty dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um and defensive pressure up the up the, the right hand side, uh, AJ Can Titus Howard they're probably the weak links. We've just got to get some early pressure on Davis Mills, start falling, forcing some errors, and uh, not let them generate their run game. Yep. For mine. Cool. All right. Well, what do you think Staley's going to do, Al? What do you think his his big moves? What's he what do I think up? he's going to do, and then what I'd like him to do? So I think what he will do is learn from the last time we played the Texans, where we blitzed Mills sixteen times and it didn't work. I've got a feeling this time we might not be so happy on sending the pressures, particularly because it didn't work against Lawrence as well. And maybe we'll just say, "Here's a guy who 
will play coverage and mass disguises and make him pa- patiently matriculate the ball down the field and hopes, hope he turns it over a couple of times. So I actually don't think we should rush five too often. What I'll say a little different to what you both just said about running the ball, I feel like what's not working with our running game is that we're not throwing to establish the run. We're not actually stretching the field and loosening up the defense to run. I've got a feeling this week the Texans are going to sell out to stop the run because they're not scared of our backfield. You're going to have all of their linebackers creeping on up. And I don't want us to come out and just go run, 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 run to start the game. I'd love to see us start with a couple of deep bombs and then loosen up the running game that way. That's That would be my approach. Yeah, it's a mixed hmm. bag because there's a lot of value in generating play action as well, which sort of That's need true. to find, find the right rhythm um, just so we can use a more variety of, uh, of plays. Jack, what do you think about Lombardi's um, sort of scheme change this week? Stop the pressure in the middle. So Lindsley, I hope, is back. Stop the pressure in the, up the middle. Uh, help Salia out as much as possible. Get the ball to Mike Williams early. Get the ball to DeAndre Carter early, as you're saying, Alistair. Get the ball to Austin Eckler in the flat early. Get them scampering, upset their game plan. And you know what? Bosa being out, we might start to see even more of that hybrid defense. So I reckon we're going to start seeing Chris Rumpf rush the passer. I think we're going to start seeing Drew Tranquil come in those A and B gap blitzes a little bit, or he might just be the fourth rusher. Um, and just unleash Derwin. Just co- have Derwin, Asante. If JC Jackson's back, awesome. Um, Nas, we haven't even spoken about Nas the last couple of weeks, so he's been decidedly quiet in a good way, I guess. Um, so yeah, just let's try and get to Davis in, uh, Davis, like I know I'm like, I'm good mates with him. Davis Mills. Um, (laughs) (laughs) let's just try and get to him in different ways. That doesn't mean, um, we're selling out over the middle because I think that's where Brandon Cooks is going to get separation. Mind you though, the Texans, um, did have a couple of major injuries and Cooks didn't practice today. So I think from what I just read earlier. So yeah. Take all the help we can get at this point. All right. Jack, mate, do you want to lead us off with your pre- result prediction? I reckon it's going to be a stinker. 17-14 charges. I was so close to going Texans. I just can't do it. No, you can't. I've got a, Not I've yet. Got a deep feeling that it's going to be a bit of, you know, now is the winter of our discontent and we're going to have one more week where everyone's going mental and then the sun will come out. I'm worried that'll happen, but I have predicted the charges to win 24-17. But it's my heart, not my head. Yeah. Uh, 22-16. Lots of field goals for the Texans. Uh, and Chargers just do enough to hold them out on defense. But hopefully some promising signs to see. Hopefully we see some great stuff out of Jamari Salia uh, making his debut, we hope, uh, at that left tackle spot. Very exciting to see. And Can I just ask Andy as yeah. well? Is... Is Herbert actually going to play? That's one thing we haven't asked. What do you think? What's the prediction there? Oh, everyone's been smashing this. Should we sit him or not? And I, I'm about seventy five, twenty five that he plays. If he says he's fit to play, he's a, he's an adult. Um, yeah, you you know they always say you never, you no one's ever feeling a hundred percent when they play NFL football, and he might be feeling seventy percent if that. Mm. Uh, I just want to think that he's now sort of acclimated to having the injury while he's playing the game. You could yep. see that there were he wasn't himself. He was inaccurate. He was throwing turnover-worthy plays. Uh, if he's right to go and he's had this last week and hopefully some more reps at practice, play. I agree. I think he's going to play. Me too. I think he's going to play, yeah. Well, let's hope so. It'd be far more fun to watch than Chase Daniel or Easton Easton Thick. We'll probably see both of them suiting up again though. So Righto. We've all got all got Chargers wins. Redemption against the, the Houston Texans and Desmond King. Let's have a and good Cresson week. Marie. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Love him right now, to be honest, over Will Pat. Oh. We digress. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time on Thunder Down Under. Go Bolts! See you later.
Backpedal looking, firing. He's got Floyd turning. Got it! Six and a half, ten, five, high step, touchdown, San Diego! Woo! Good night! Good night to all!